The following episodes contain graphic description of sexual assault and violence, which some listeners may find disturbing. It is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Have you ever heard of the term she kissed a lot of frogs to get to her prince? I'm sure you have. Well, that was me. At 43 years old, I've had my fair share of failed relationships, situationships, meaningless connections. So about two years ago, I decided I was just going to embrace the single life and continue building my brand and creating a legacy. I never saw myself being married and definitely, definitely not to an inmate. But life is tricky, huh? This call will be recorded and subject to monitoring at any time. To accept this call, press 5. To block this call and all future calls, you may begin speaking now. Hey guys, and welcome to Season 2. Bonus episode one. Guys, it feels like I haven't recorded in forever, but I needed a break. I need some time to get my thoughts together. As I stated at the ending of season one, this journey has been extremely overwhelming. Um, As you guys know, my journey started off with just wanting to tell a love story, a story about myself and my husband. I wanted to tear down the negative layers about being in a relationship or being married to someone incarcerated. I wanted to bring encouragement, positivity, and examples of how to maintain a healthy marriage within the prison system. And of course, along with that, I wanted to make sure I brought some informative facts, you know, talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, the obstacles, ups and downs, everything, unscripted, uncut, raw. That was the purpose of my journey. But along the way, my platform began to open up to other people who needed their voices heard, other families of inmates inmates who are presently currently incarcerated my platform opened up to them and I want to just say how honored and grateful and of course thankful that um my my platform has been able to be utilized in that way um it has been extremely overwhelming as I said before you know when you sit and you listen to these families you listen to these inmates and the things that they go through the injustices that they face It is a lot. It is extremely difficult to have to sit back and listen. Um, Being a natural humanitarian, I wish I could snap my finger and fix everything, but I can't. So using my platform to help spread the knowledge, to help share their stories, to help them voice what's going on with them and everything that they face is good enough for me. You know, I continuously say I'm not an advocate. I'm not trying to be an activist and I'm really, really not. I just want to be here to provide this platform to help their stories get out. And again, I'm extremely thankful and grateful for that. Um, 
I want to give a special shout out to Angie Lanier. Angie Lanier is Matthew Baker Jr.'s mom. She called me last week and she wanted to simply pray. She wanted to pray with me after seeing a Facebook post that I posted. Um, And I just want to tell her again, thank you so much. Angie Lanier can pray. Okay, guys, she can pray. This prayer had to be about 10 to 15 minutes long. But when I tell you she hit everything within those minutes. And again, Angie, thank you so much. As a matter of fact, I told my husband the next day about the prayer, how you pray for him, pray for his situation. And when I tell you when he called me, he actually had some good news on some things that we've been working on pertaining to his case. So again, thank you so much, Angie. And this is exactly why I say, you know, I'm so thankful for the the journey that my platform has taken me. I have met some amazing people. Um, Angie Lanier is one of them. Of course, Matthew Baker Jr. You guys know I'm team Matthew all the way. Um, Christy Ganey. Christy Ganey is the mother of Ashley Morgan. Um, Brooklyn is the daughter of, I'm sorry. Yeah. Christy Ganey is the mother of Ashley Morgan. Brooklyn is the daughter of Ashley Morgan. And of course, Um, My pleasure of interviewing Chad and, of course, John Kite. These are just a few of the names that have come into my life. And when I tell you guys, this is very important for me to say. When you insert yourself into these people's lives, when you start helping them tell their story, helping them with their voices. It just doesn't stop there. It just doesn't stop at that one interview. You become a part of their family. You become a part of their fight and you have to continue on. You know, you, you think about it every day. I think about Matthew every day. I think about John Kite every day. I think about Ashley every day. I think about Brooklyn every day. I think about Chad every day. This is just something that just doesn't simply go away. Um, you create a bond, you know, you text, you call, you check on, you do all these things. And so this is why it becomes overwhelming because you start to ingest everything that they're going through. You start feeling everything that they're going through. Um, Their loved ones become your loved ones. And so that's why, you know, for me last week, I had to take a break. I mean, mentally and emotionally, I had to take a break because I wish I could just save each and every one of them that is going through something right now. So that's why my podcast is so important. You know, like I said, it started off as wanting me to just tell a love story. And now not only am I telling a love story, I'm telling stories of others and the injustices that they face, the experiences that they have within the prison system, which brings me to Jojo and Michelle, who are two very intricate parts of this podcast. It is one thing for me to tell a story. It's one thing for me to research a story, read a story, hear about a story. But to have two women who have spent more than 10 years within the prison system telling their stories firsthand, you know, putting us and myself into their shoes is something that is extremely priceless. And that is why I am completely, 
you know, in debt to them for joining my podcast and why it is so important for them to be on here because they bring awareness, you know, they bring the emotions, the experiences. It's helped me, you know, realize things even with my husband. Um, even when I need to vent and tell them about the things and the interviews and stuff like they have a different side, you know, they have that knowledge from where they are. They are in the same shoes that Ashley Morgan is in, John Kite is in, my husband is in, Matthew is in. So having them on this podcast is extremely important. Um, We play a lot, we joke a lot, but we also bring a lot of awareness and a lot of knowledge. So again, guys, this podcast has turned into a movement as my husband calls it and again I'm extremely extremely thankful for it um so many new layers to it so much stuff um happening um I have a new theme song coming shout out to B-Mart for being patient with me I have so much on my plate sometimes I just forget but new theme song coming um, starting August the 13th, myself and my best friend, we're starting a new true crime podcast called Milk and Cereal, where we'll be talking about America's most infamous serial killers. I love true crime and I'm so excited to do this with her. Myself and my husband have started a media and production company, 1329. And within that, we are trying to build, um, a multi-purpose studio for other people who want to podcast, who want to do music or whatever you want to do digitally. Um, this is what we're we're doing this platform for. Um, within this podcast, I am learning a lot. I'm just not the author. I'm just not the person behind a microphone doing the podcast. I'm learning how to, you know, be an executive producer. I'm learning how to engineer. I have this amazing new equipment. I have my Rode um, Caster Pro. I have my Shure microphone that I love, my headphones. It is so much to learn um, with this new equipment. And as I learn it, I am passing that knowledge down to people on my team because I want all of us to play a major role within this media and production company. You know, I want to make engineers. I want to make producers. Um, other authors and and writers for podcasting and that's what 1329 media is about so guys again thank you for joining me on season two episode one wetlock chronicles podcast is officially three months and four days old i cannot believe it's been three months i love it this has been an amazing journey and i thank you guys for tuning in for listening for subscribing for passing the word on um i also have the bonus channel on youtube which is the duffies and that is a part of the paid subscription which is 4.99 a month $55 a year. It comes with exclusive episodes, um, early access to episodes. Of course, you get myself and my husband, um, our conversations, experiences, all kind of crazy drama that we have going on. All of that is included within the subscription. So again, thank you guys so much for tuning in and joining me on season two. I have my co-host with me, Penelope. 
and my cousin is here. You can't hear her, but she's here. So I thank you guys again for tuning in. This is season two, episode one. Okay, guys, so now we're going to jump into the comments. You guys know how I love my Q&As, but today I want to focus on the comments. So the first comment is, well, it's actually a question. If you want to set up for Boost for the Freedom Fest, what do you need to do? Okay, now, Freedom Fest is July 2nd at Grant Park from 5 to 8 p.m. You need to reach out to Demita Bishop. That's D-A-M-I-T-A, Bishop, B-I-S-H-O-P. Demita is the one that is organizing this amazing um, Freedom Fest. She is a... um, organizer of the event and she is with fair and i know you guys know about demita bishop i talk about her all the time but that's who you need to contact about setting up booths um i'm not sure about the fees or anything like that but i will say this this will be something very beneficial for your loved ones that are incarcerated demita is creating a wonderful event where you can come out and then for your family, you can set up booths, you can sell t-shirts, tell their stories, put their names out there, whatever you want to do. This is going to be something amazing. And I think that all you guys should definitely attend. I myself will be there live. If you want to come have an interview with me, tell your loved one's story. If you want to tell your story and your experiences with the prison system, I will be there live. I will also um, be there wearing two other hats. I do have a bakery, so I will be providing amazing, wonderful treats. Um, my liquor delivery service will be providing drinks as well. So we're going to have a great time. And like I said, I think that this is something very beneficial for you guys out there who have loved ones that are incarcerated and you want to raise money, you want to tell their stories, make sure that you are in Atlanta, Georgia, July 2nd at Grant Park from 5 to 3 p.m. Next comment. Um, Can't wait for season two. I actually have learned a lot listening to your on a serious note. Thank you so much. Um, I wanted to try outside of telling a story, you know, making making you laugh, cracking some jokes. I wanted to also give some informative facts. You know, as I'm going through this journey, I'm also learning. Like I said, I'm buying books, I'm reading. Um, I wanted to make sure that when I have these interviews and I talk to these families of these loved ones or even the inmates, I wanted to make sure that I was knowledgeable on the different subjects when it comes to the justice system, um, when it comes to the prison system. I wanted to make sure that I was well-versed in giving the advice that I could give, but make sure it is the correct legal advice. Um, I definitely don't want to steer anybody the wrong way. I am not a paid attorney, but I can read. (laughs) So I want to make sure that I am giving the best representation of myself, of this podcast, and to be able to talk and know what I'm talking about. So thank you. um, Thank you so much for that. I, I myself am learning a lot too. 
Next comment. I love true crime. I can't wait for the new podcast in August. Oh my gosh. Let me tell you guys, 24 hours a day, I am watching true crime. If I'm not watching it, I'm actually listening to it in my car. I listen to so many true crime podcasts. I have a couple that are my favorite, but true crime I'm true crime all day long and I'm excited for it. It's something that my best friend and I are going to do um, starting August the 13th, Milk and Cereal. That will be our true crime podcast. We are going to talk about America's most infamous serial killers. So make sure you join us every Saturday morning for breakfast. We'll we'll be talking about murder and breakfast on Saturday mornings. So yes, um, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for that. Next comment. Um, I don't know you personally, but your voice is very welcoming. Thank you so much. And for the first time, I get to hear myself the way everybody else hears me, and it's tripping me out. Um, I've always said I do not hear what you guys hear. Um, what I hear is a hot mess, what you guys hear is something else. But thank you so much for that compliment. Next comment. Um, keep the episodes coming. Okay, no problem. I will do my best to make that happen. Next comment. I love the bologna sandwich saga episode. I can't stop laughing at it. Oh my God. Why did I say that out loud? I feel like my husband's about to call me and start an argument about the bologna sandwich. (laughs) But in actuality, the bologna sandwich saga is the number one episode on Wetlock Chronicles podcast. It has the most hits and the most listened to. So yeah, I, you're not the only one that loves it. Um, Next comment, after about five seasons, I think you should write a book on prison marriage. Hmm. I don't know if I'll be ready after five seasons. Maybe, but I'm not sure. But that compliment is amazing that you would even think that I could write a book on a prison marriage. Maybe within five seasons, I might have something to say. I don't know, but we'll put that in the universe and we'll see. Next and last comment, saw your merch on IG. Love it. Thank you so much. So I have hats, t-shirts, face masks, ink pens, notepads, notebooks, um, coffee mugs i'm gonna actually also add the travel coffee mugs to it water bottles i wanted to keep the merch to represent what i'm here for and that is for the chronicles of a prison wife i wanted to provide stationary ink pens and pens you know we have to write our loved ones of course i want to make sure we're safe to you know we're still dealing with COVID 19 so i definitely have face masks and of course we got to keep it cute with the t-shirts and the hats um i want to make sure that you know our traveling wives we're, we're staying up so i definitely wanted to provide coffee mugs and just different things that coincide with being a prison wife or going to see our loved ones, writing our loved ones. Um, I also am going to do a couple of shirts. I'm going to do shirts for brides to be, you know, although our weddings are not the traditional, I think we should still be cute and still embrace the love that we are um, embarking on with our spite or with our 
spouses. So I'm going to have like the cute bride to be t-shirts, um, even for the wives after being married. So just stay tuned. I have a lot of ideas coming when it comes to the merch, but thank you so much for that. I'm glad you love it. Um, I will be putting it on the website right now. Nothing is for sale. These items really are trinkets and tokens of my appreciation for all the people that come onto my podcast that I interview. Um, And that's just my way of saying thank you. So as of right now, nothing is for sale, but as soon as everything starts going um, to be sold, I will place it on the website. So thank you again, guys, for all the wonderful comments. As I said last episode, I will definitely tap in on every Friday to do my Q&As and my comments. So again, thank you guys so much for joining me on season two, bonus episode one. Having a spouse incarcerated isn't easy. You go through a lot emotionally, mentally, and it can become a financial burden as well. Fed Up Wives is my nonprofit organization that's set to help wives of incarcerated inmates. To contact Fed Up Wives, you can email fedupwives.org at gmail.com or you can call 770-927-8011. Now back to the show. Babe. What's up, baby? I love you. My husband is super califragilistic, espialidocious, and amazing, of course. Yes, guys, my husband is doing amazing. He just got the pictures that I sent him yesterday. It was so cute. He called me yesterday and he was like, baby, you didn't tell me you've been fly since you was little. You've been carrying bags. And at first I was like, what are you talking about? I totally forgot I had sent him some pictures, but it was so adorable. I love sending my husband pictures of me when I was a little baby and a little kid because I'm trying to get him, you know, into, into the baby zone, you know for our son (laughs) but yes he got my pictures and he was pleasantly pleased as usual um and we finally got a response on his two-point reduction guys and it's moving in a very very good direction I am so excited I'm glad my husband is being productive and staying positive um when it comes to all of this pertaining to his case, you know, it's it hasn't been easy. Like I told you guys a couple of weeks ago, I did not like my husband because I felt like he was going to drive me bonkers. But um, something good is coming out of this. And actually, my husband is learning a lot, too. Like we are both learning a lot um, on his journey dealing with this um prison system and the court system and different things like that so thank you guys again for keeping him in your prayers and keeping him uplifted as well as myself because you already know i definitely need the prayers but he's doing amazing um he's doing great on saving minutes guys oh my god his minute management skills are improving month by month This time around, we are not talking as much because he said he does not want to spend two weeks out the month where he cannot talk to me. So we are talking like once a day. We're not talking a whole 15 minutes, but we are emailing a lot, which is good enough for me. I mean, it's a drastic change coming from 
talking to him all day, being able to video call him, you know, it's, it's different. It's definitely different, but we are making it work. And I will be going to see my husband for his birthday. And I'm so excited for that. At first, he did not want me to come because visitation is through glass, but I have not seen my husband since December. And unfortunately, he will be seeing me whether he likes it or not, but he is actually excited as well. He can't wait. Um, so yes, guys, he's doing great. Um, oh my God, my husband has a job. <laughs> my husband is a working man now. Um, and he hates it. <laughs> he completely hates it, but it is actually helping him. Um, it's giving him a uh, time towards his sentence, which will get him closer home so whatever he has to do to get home to his loved ones to get home to me i am so proud of my husband for doing everything that he needs to do i know it is extremely difficult to um you know have to conform in in within this system but i'm proud of him that he's doing whatever he has to do but i will say this the united states federal government y'all are definitely new age slavery with this bullshit of five dollars and 35 cent a month for a grown ass person to be working i don't even my brain can't even calculate how much that is an hour like 16 cent or some shit i don't know but it is it is so demasculating and so like I mean, you got to feel like less than a human to sit somewhere and make 16 cent an hour. Like, I mean, whew. but if it gets my husband home sooner than later, it's whatever at this point. But that is some bullshit. But outside of that, guys, my husband is doing amazing. He's staying positive. Again, thank you guys for keeping him in your prayers. Thank you for keeping him uplifted. And again, a special shout out to Angela Lanier for her prayer. Like she really prayed for my husband, like really, really prayed for my husband. He was so appreciative to hear that as well as myself. So thank you guys so much. Um, and we're going to move this episode along, guys. Again, this is season two, bonus episode one. Coming this August 13th, a true crime podcast called Milk and Cereal with myself and my best friend. We'll be talking about America's most infamous serial killers. So join us each and every Saturday morning for breakfast and murder. The 1970s weren't just a time of endless partying at the local disco. There was also a much darker side to the era, as multiple notorious killers collectively targeted hundreds of victims. Here are the most dangerous serial killers of the 1970s. I'd take this book and beat you to death with it, and I wouldn't feel a thing. In Los Angeles, Charles Manson went to court today. Charles Manson said he was happy today, that he is always happy, even though he is charged with seven murders. Well, did he question my sanity? Are you saying I question his, huh? Are you saying sane? Yes. That's relative. What does it feel like to kill someone? Word, Charles. Word is that you're an old woman. 
Word is, you have turkey in sky. Word is, I don't know what word is. Somebody else tell you that. I didn't tell you Did that. Did you kill Shay? Hell no. Did you cut the human's ear off? Hell yes. Any sense of rehabilitation? None whatsoever. Continue to see him behind bars? Like to see him there? I think for the rest of his life. You've got it stuck in your brain that I murdered somebody. What do you want to call me a murderer for? I've never killed anyone. I don't need to kill anyone. I think it. I have it here. Believe me, if I started murdering people, there'd be none of you left. Charles Manson was turned down for parole for the eighth time on a unanimous vote by a three-member board. Just yesterday, Charles Manson told the California Parole Board he didn't mind staying in prison a little while longer because he's working on his website. Today in California's Corcoran State Prison, Charles Manson had his ninth parole hearing. The official reason Manson was denied parole today, quote, he hasn't followed the instructions recommended to him previously and has violated 17 prison rules in the past five years. The bottom line, Manson's never getting out. Both Wetlock Chronicles podcast and Milk and Cereal True Crime podcast are a part of 1329 Media and Production Company, RT Brand, LLC, and Extra Entertainment. Wetlock Chronicles podcast will still be dropping each and every Friday and Sunday with season three beginning September 4th. Hey, guys. Now, before I get into my interview with John Kite, I just want to say this. This interview is extremely triggering. Um, Hearing details of sexual assault, violence against minors, and of course, violence, period. Hearing his detail from June the 4th is extremely hard to listen to. Um... Getting his side of the story was very important to me. I wanted to hear it because I wanted to share his story. John is now serving a sentence of 30 years because he chose to protect a 14-year-old child, a 16-year-old child, and his girlfriend, Ashley Morgan. Um, John Kite is a convicted felon. And of course, we all know convicted felons with a firearm does come with punishable terms, um, as well as being on probation or parole. But guys, it's almost like saving a life doesn't even matter. John Kite actually saved Ashley, Brooklyn, Chad, and Brianna on June the 4th. The result in that led him to having to serve 30 years in prison. John Kite's story has stuck out to me um, from the first day I heard it. I just do not know how I'm going to help John. But as you hear within this interview, I continuously keep trying to reassure him that it's going to work out, that the story is going to be out there. It's going to be brought to wherever it needs to go to whoever needs to listen hopefully the right person will listen the right people will listen um because i just think this is a complete tragedy for someone to 
do everything that this guy Chris has done and there has been no repercussions whatsoever it's just completely disheartening um it really bothered me after this interview um after talking with him um John gets emotional towards the end and I just I didn't like it I really didn't like it um and it took me a couple of days like I actually was supposed to drop this interview on Sunday and I just couldn't I needed some time I really needed some time to process my thoughts and try to figure out what was my next move to help John Kite so again guys thank you for tuning in and joining me um now i'm going to play my interview with john kite again this is season two bonus episode one so john how are you today i'm all right that is good so you know i've been talking to ashley and christy about everything that has taken place on June the 4th. So tell me, um, tell me how that day played out for you. Um, the, the day that it happened, I was at home and I guess Brooke had told Ashley um, that Chris had touched her inappropriately and that she got a tattoo on her lip and I guess she was having an argument with Chris Vincent's daughter mm-hmm. about the incident and um, so I guess she came out and told her mom uh, that day June 4th or whatever um, so when she got home she told me about it Ashley did, and I pondered on it for a little while, and then I told her I wanted to go up there and confront him Mm -hmm. about it, and she was like, all right, well, I'm going to get the kids together, and we'll go up there, so we got, it was Brooke, um, Chad, and uh, the other girl, her friend, I forget her name. Uh, Brianna. Brianna, yeah. Mm-hmm. And me and Ashley, and we rode up there and pulled into the parking lot, and me and Chad got out, and I started walking up there, and Chris Benson went inside his shop, came back out, bent down to do something, and when he came back up, he started shooting, and. He shot me in the arm, shot Chad in the leg, uh, shot about four more times, grazed one of my legs, and shot the back of the car, and then he was out of bullets, but before that all, before he ran out of bullets, I had started returning fire Mm -hmm. back at and... I struck his firing hand in the wrist and hit him a couple more times. Then he ran off. And 
then me and the kids and Ashley got back in the car and left and went back to our house. She dropped me off and took Chad to the hospital. And then it just, everything went from there. So <clears throat> the few things that a lot of people are having difficulties even understanding um is the simple fact that you know in florida there is a stand your ground law and it is you know no retreat if you cannot avoid you know a dangerous situation and for you to have to put yourself in that situation to protect the kids to protect yourself to protect ashley um it's just it's so it's 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 so messed up. I mean, I can't even comprehend how that did not play a major part in what your defense would have been, being that you had no choice. You you could not not defend yourself and these kids. Um, and also the fact that Chris also being that he was a convicted felon, it's like you got charged for everything, but he didn't. Um and the two people that was most affected, definitely Ashley, but Brooklyn and um, Chad both are so thankful um, to you and consider you a hero, said you need a medal. How does that feel to even be sitting in jail facing 30 years knowing that you just went up there to try to you know, defend this 14-year-old girl and, and, and you know, and, and her whole ordeal that, that transpired between her and Chris, like, I just, I can't even understand, like, what it could possibly even feel like um to have to go through what you're going through right now. Like, how how do you, how do you feel about how the whole thing happened and, and the end result for you having to be sentenced to doing 30 years for something that I think any man would do, you know, naturally is to protect the children and protect the woman that, you know, this, this, this was your, your woman. Like how, how does that feel? Um, I mean, the most part is that he, you know, he had the intentions already for having the firearm there, and he already knew what he was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, if I was, you know, going to harm somebody and I meant him any harm, I wouldn't have took the kids and, and, and my girl with me to do it. Mm-hmm. I would have, you know, got one of my friends or, or went up there by myself. Uh, but I was put in a position, you know, where, you know, he shot me point blank range from about eight to 10 feet away, right in my arm, right across, I mean, like eight inches from my heart, you know. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he could have killed me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my instincts was, you know, I had a gun in my waistband. And, you know, I never brandished it. I never came at him aggressively or, or anything like that. And, you know, if I didn't have that firearm, there's no telling what could have happened. Yeah. 
that's the harsh reality of it. Like it could have been even worse, which is a lot of the reason why I really can't understand, you know, why you and Ashley um, even had to even go through all of this because this man could have killed all of you guys. And the simple fact that nothing even happened to him legally, like no repercussions, no jail time, no nothing. It's just like beyond me. I can't really understand, um, understand it at all. Um, I guess I want to ask you, um, and this might be like a, a hard question, but do you regret how you responded? can't really regret it because I was doing what my instincts told me to do. You know? Right. Um, I regret going up there at all. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, I wish I would play that whole situation a little differently. Um, but, I mean, there's no telling what he would have done on a different day anyway. You know? Yeah, because yeah. He was, he was scared and he wanted, he didn't want that Brooks statement to come out you know he didn't want to be labeled as a, a child molester or anything in that form you know um, and I think that's what the main reason that he was shooting mm -hmm. because he he wanted to shut everybody up mm -hmm. he didn't want that to get out you know? so <laughs> and it's so crazy because now it's out. It's 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 out. Like at this point, um, you know, I I went to his social media and I and I read a lot of posts, you know, a lot of support that he had from his friends and his family. And I kept saying to myself, these people can't possibly really know what really happened. Um, nobody really took the time to say to themselves, I wonder why they actually came up here. And it's like, that's the one question that I think, you know, as a human being, I love my friends. I love my family. I'm so, I'm a support them. I'm gonna be with them 100%. But somewhere in the back of my mind, I'm gonna say to myself, what made this happen? Like, why would a mother bring three kids and her boyfriend up here if their intentions was to harm somebody or do something wrong so you know as i was reading the social media i'm like these people can't really know who this guy really really is and you're absolutely right like he was trying to shut that whole situation down and that's what it, it why he why it seems like he came out like shooting like like a total ambush That is just... It, it, it's, it's not the... He's, he's done it to other girls. But, yeah. You know, getting them to come speak about it, you know, he he would threaten them and, and, and tell them, you know, what he does to people that, that, you know, tell on him or, you know, what. They, he'd scare them up, you know, threaten their families. and So that scared the girls from coming forward, you know, and... It, it was like all his his daughter's friends mm. that she'd bring around. He would he would come on to and, and you know sometimes have sex with them, and you know that's that's 
that's a nasty human being to me. Yeah, he's a pig. Definitely. You know, teenagers and girls that ain't even able to really understand what life's about yet. Right, 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 totally, totally. And tattoo them and put tattoos on them and then, you know, like bribe them and act like they owe them now because he tattooed them and... And I, I wonder, you know, you know what, what, it's just so disgusting to me. Yeah. Girls, girls that age, you know, they, they, they want tattoos and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. bad that, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're willing to do stuff, you know, and it's sad that they would, but I mean, that's just reality. Yeah. and you know he he's praying on that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he nobody knows that that side of him. They're just they're just thinking that somebody went up there and just started shooting at him, trying to rob him or something like that. And you know he he ain't never gonna tell the real story. Mm mm. And that's but, when I went to his social media. That was the narrative that was really spent. What was really spent on his social media was more so like, oh, he's a good guy. These people came up here to harm him. He doesn't do anything to anybody. And that's what really made me say, like, these people must have no idea, you know. But at the same time, it's people who've been around who probably ignored it or probably didn't pay any attention um, any attention. But I do know as as much as this story has come out um as ashley's mom has you know did plenty of interviews and talked to people i am quite sure there are friends of his and you know girls who didn't even say anything now are are if they're not speaking up it's definitely people that's been around him that are kind of looking like sideways now like you know they probably didn't realize they were entertaining this behavior but some people probably are saying like you know he does like such and such or he was doing such and such or you know maybe you know he tried to talk to their little sister or you know something like that people know what's going on they either turn in the other cheek or they just like in denial because i i'm quite sure that it's that people know what's been going on yeah. i mean and another fact that is that you know he's been to prison and for child neglect, and you know he's he's known to be associated with with a gang, being in a gang, and you know none of that was brought out, none of that you know his past or or what kind of person he really is is being out there. You know they're just looking at him as an upstand upstanding citizen that that you know has a tattoo shop and is trying to survive or whatever, but. Know. he's got a, a, a shady past and you know he's a shady person you know? yeah well you know um as i told you know christy and i and i told ashley as well as you know brooklyn and chad you know my my platform originally was about me and my husband and then you know life you know god just put different people in my pathway and and the journey kind of changed a little bit um and so now 
it's very it's imperative for me to allow you guys to speak your truth on my platform and put it out there um so you know people will know what's going on you know so you guys will have a voice in this situation i feel like that you guys were just done completely wrong. Like what happened to you, especially, you know, I do understand that there's certain laws, you know, you can't be a convicted felon with a firearm. You can't be on probation, parole, com commit crimes and all these type of things. But at the same time, it's like five lives were involved in this. And if it wasn't for you reacting the way you did and protecting everyone, five Four or five lives could have been lost. And to me, that's the bigger picture. And, um, you know, I'm going to do my best in continuing to tell this story. Um, you know, keep talking to you guys, keep interviewing until, you know, something just has to be done. You know, I'm not like a 100% advocate. You know, I'm not the type of person. I don't judge people. I don't, um, I don't really try to take sides with people, but I just feel like right is right and wrong is wrong. And I really like deeply, deeply feel like what he did was completely wrong. The way you guys were treated was completely wrong. He had no responsibility um, was taken in this situation. And I don't think that that's fair. I think that's totally unjust what happened to you guys. Um, there was a 14 year old child that was involved in this and, and other children that was involved in this. And I think at this point, the main objective um, is to try to tell these stories, you know, for the benefit of you and Ashley and more so definitely, especially you, for you to have to face 30 years for trying to protect someone um, is not right. It's, 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 it's totally, it's totally not right. And I commend you, um, so much, you know, I, I said in one of my other episodes, you know, I'm a daddy's girl and I mean, through and through, and <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you, the man wouldn't even be here if, you know, if it was, I, I could have just told my dad four words and it would have been over with. So I really, really commend you for, you know, being there and just, just protecting those kids and protecting Ashley. Um, I hate that this had to be the outcome, but honestly, I feel like Brooklyn and I feel like Chad, like I really do feel like you are a hero in this story. And, you know, they're trying to make you guys out to be the villain. And I want to change that narrative as much as I can. So, you know, I appreciate you calling me and talking to me and, um, you know, telling your side of it and, and, and how you feel about it, you know, um, it just has to suck. I don't even know, you know, what it feels like to be in your shoes right now. Um, but just from my point of view, I really, I appreciate you and, and what you did. And I don't feel like you did anything wrong. And Lord knows, I wish I could fix the whole entire scenario. Um, Cause it's really, really messed up. It's, it's really messed up. Um, so like, how, how are you, how are you doing right now? Like with your appeal and, you know, different things like that. What are you doing to try to move forward in this situation? Well, um, like I, I do have my appeal, uh, going through, um, I should be able to get back and have a retrial, um, 
just hoping that, you know, this go around, I can maybe get a better attorney. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, um, someone that will speak the facts a little better and bring out things that my other attorney didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, and I'm just, you know, uh, been working out. You know, I go to wreck and walk and try to stay active and um, stay positive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I pray about it, you know, and you know, I pretty much gave it to God to let him, you know, decide my fate. And all I can do is, you know, hope for the best. Well, I'm going to tell you, John, I really feel like you're going to be okay. I think you're going to come. You're not going to be there for 30 years. And and I know that probably sounds crazy for some girl you never met on the phone telling you this. But I promise you, you're not going to be there 30 years. Um. Nothing, as I say all the time, nothing happens by chance, coincidence, mistake, or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, God is always working. You know, it may not seem like it sometimes, but people come into your life for a reason. Your pathway crossed with different people for a reason. And I wholeheartedly, like, honestly really feel like in my spirit, like, you're not going to be there 30 years. Um, Some kind of way, this situation... It's going to turn. It's going to turn. It has to turn. Um, there's too many people out here who would have done what you've done, honorably done what you've done with no hesitation, no problem, no anything. And um, I just think that, like you said, you know, you gave it up to God and I think God is working. I truly, truly feel like he's working and I'm going to do my best to um, continue to share this story, you know, and tell this story as best as I can, but you're, I do, I promise you, you're not going to be there for 30 years. Like there, there's just no way, like there's just no way, you know, you just got to stay strong, keep your mind, you know, as positive as possible. Um, but like Ashley Brooklyn and Chad have said, you're a hero, you know, and you're going to come out of there a hero and it's not going to be 30 years later. I can, I can promise you that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, you know, the County that I'm from, you know, it, they, they do a lot of corrupt stuff and they, they don't totally go by the book, you know, and they get away with a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, just the fact that, you know, he was a convicted felon in possession of a firearm, you know, and had it in his shop, which he said it was his brother's, which that right there is, you know, against the law on his brother's part to even give him a gun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I could see, yeah, I had a possession of a firearm and, and, you know, I was a convicted felon. I could see getting in trouble for that, you know. But what happened, you know, it, there was a specialist that came in and, and you know, because the gunshots were on a ring doorbell. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he specialized in, in, you know, hearing the sounds of gunshots and tell you what, what kind of caliber weapon it is. Mm-hmm. You know, he even, came in, he even came in and said how many times Chris Vinson shot first before there was my 
gunfire in return, you know, and that it proved that, you know, he came out shooting first, you know, and, you know, all the kids said that, you know, and the judge just disregarded all that. Wow. The fact that he's a convicted felon, you know. Yeah, alone, he should have been arrested. Yeah, he should have he at least got He should have got five years. Yeah, like it's like the minimum was like, it's like five years, period. Yeah. And, plus, you know, shooting somebody, you know, there's a, there's a, a, a 10, 20 life law on that. Mm-hmm. Know? And, you know, he, he didn't, they just. He didn't, he did not get, him. he did not face not one iota of a of a penalty like there was no arresting there was no jail time even with the accusations from other um female you know um kids i mean he nothing nothing happened nothing happened to this man and that's what's so disturbing it is it is so disturbing even even with brooke telling the detectives and, you know, open up a case about him touching her, they're supposed to lock him up until, you know, they investigate it because, yeah. you know, they're supposed to go off her word, but he, you know, but they're saying that there's not enough evidence. Right, which is that, which know? is crazy to which, me because I, I, I actually said, I said, okay, so what was a... What does a fourteen-year-old evidence look like? Did you did you want to put her in a more harmful situation? Was was she supposed to let the another scenario play out? And was that going to be enough proof? Like that's even insane within itself. The word of a child should have been enough for them to investigate. It shouldn't have been. I mean, what kind of proof are you expecting for a fourteen-year-old to even bring you? that whole county you know if it would have been anywhere else like in jacksonville there i read in the paper and it said that you know these two people got in a gunfight and they were shooting at each other and the police arrested both of them to to get to the bottom of the you know investigate it and you know that's just proper procedure right you know, got two convicted felons with possession of firearms there That's another thing that, you know, that's bad about my situation is the county that I'm in. Yeah. How how the judicial system operates and, you know, what they get away with. I'm hoping, you know, that maybe the state's attorneys will change by the time I get back. and. Well, we're going to definitely hope on it and we're going to pray on it. And um, like I said, I feel like it's it's going to work out. I mean, there's just there's definitely a miscarriage of justice within this whole entire situation. And maybe somebody outside the county needs to hear it. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it, that, and you know, and this is the reason why Chrissy has been talking to so many people, because it almost seems like somebody else needs to be aware of what's going with going on within this county because that was a miscarriage of justice all the way around. Like you have 
minute remaining. That's just really unheard of. But um, I know we have a minute to go. And I just want to thank you for calling me today. Um, And like I said, if you want to call or email me whenever, that's fine. We'll set up um some more time to, you know, continue um the interview or whatever. But thank you, John, so much. I'm going to keep praying for you. I'm going to keep telling his story. And we're going to we're going we're going to make it work. We're going to you're, you're coming up out of there. We're going to do everything we can to make sure that's possible. All right. Well, thank you for having me and thank you for what you're doing. And you know, I appreciate everything. Um, and I'll definitely keep in contact with you. OK. All right. Help, help I can get with this situation. you going to make listen, John, you coming up out of there. Trust me. Trust me. Just stay strong, keep praying, and keep. We're gonna keep telling your story. All right, all Thank right, you for using Global Tell Link. Now, guys, I'm gonna give you my thoughts. How can I help John Kite? After my interview with John Kite, I was completely stuck, silent in a daze, thinking about what it feels like to be where he is mentally and emotionally. It breaks my heart to hear a man broken, especially from trying to protect the ones that he loves. How do I help John Kite? Where do I start? I guess by telling his story first, right? But what's next? How do I be a voice for a person who really doesn't need a strong voice because John Kite is strength. His actions on June the 4th are those of a protector, a hero, a man whom acted on impulse to save lives. How do I help John Kite? By saying his name, John Kite. Do I start a petition? Will you sign it? Will you join me in helping John Kite? Those are my thoughts, guys. And again, thank you for tuning in and joining me on season two bonus episode one. There are many forms of childhood sexual abuse. The sexual abuse can involve seduction by a beloved relative, or it can be a violent act committed by a stranger. Sexual abuse can be hard to define because of the many different forms it can take on. The different levels of frequency, the variation of circumstances it can occur within, and the different relationships that may be associated with. Maltz 2002 gives the following definition. Sexual abuse occurs whenever one person dominates and exploits another by means of sexual activity or suggestion. Sexual abuse can be correlated with higher levels of depression, guilt, shame, self-blame, eating disorders, somatic concerns, anxiety, disassociative patterns, repression, denial, sexual problems, and relationship problems. Depression has been found to be the most common long-term symptom among survivors. Survivors may have difficulty in externalizing the abuse, thus thinking negativity, negatively about themselves. After years of negative self-thought, survivors have feelings 
of worthiness and avoid others because they believe they have nothing to offer. This describes the symptoms of child sexual abuse survivors, depression to be feeling down much of the time, having suicidal thoughts, having disturbed sleeping patterns, having disturbed eating patterns. Survivors often experience guilt, shame, and self-blame. It has been shown that survivors frequently take personal responsibility for the abuse. When the sexual abuse is done by an esteemed, trusted adult, it may be hard for the children to view the predator in a negative light, thus leaving them incapable of seeing what happened as not their fault. Survivors often blame themselves and internalize negative messages about themselves. Survivors tend to display more self-destructive behaviors and experience more suicidal thoughts than those who have not been abused. If you or anyone you know experiencing sexual abuse of any kind, please, please tell someone. Thank you guys for joining me on yet another part of my journey. To follow this podcast, you can find it on Facebook and Instagram under Wetlock Chronicles Podcast, Twitter Wetlock Podcast, and be sure to subscribe to the show's YouTube channel by clicking the link in the show's description. To get updates on season two, live episodes, discussion forums, and much more, visit wetlockchronicles.com. You can also get the link to sign the petition for Matthew Baker Jr. within the show's description. Thank you guys again for joining me. Please stay blessed, stay safe, and welcome to Wetlock. You can find this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) 